0: back to the Empire State Conservatives podcast, episode 141. It is me, your host, Evan, here with the now infamous Gabe Montalvo, host of Talking GOP and Empire State Conservative Network contributing writer. And today we have a very special guest, Dave Franklin, who is running for the New York State Senate out of District 7, my old hometown in Port Washington, whose seat is now occupied by the useless Anna Kaplan. Dave, thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, guys, just a reminder to check out our brand new patriotically thick shirt. It is now in the store. Make sure you check that out. It is dropping. People are already ordering, so make sure you get yours our store is at Empire State Conservative dot com slash store and every cent goes back into spreading conservative values in New York and helping fix this state, which we desperately, desperately need. And we are hoping, Dave, that you will be a part of that. If you could just give the folks at home a little bit of your background and why you are running against that useless, useless woman,
1: Anna Kaplan. Uh, uh, how do you how do you really feel about her? Don't you know, <laughs> hold back. Um no, again, thanks for having me. Um I was, uh, I grew up in Jersey. I've been in Fort Washington for about 33 years. Um, Worked in television for 38 years. And um, just always, I was always involved in the community. This was uh, a great town to live in. People were great. And life was good, so you give back. So I did a lot of charity events, a lot of community events. I played Santa Claus in five different places in town. Um, Just things like that. And as, as a result of my involvement in the community, Nine years ago, I was asked to run for police commissioner in Port Washington. It's an elected position. And uh, I won and uh, then ran two other terms. I, I won unopposed, which I say is always the mark of a good champion when you can run <laughs> unopposed and still win. And um, the last time I lost to a friend, this is just in the December, I lost the uh, election to a friend. My job in television uprooted and moved to Atlanta. Um, so I don't speak the language. <laughs> I stayed up in New York and I always felt that, you know, when when one door closes, another one opens and everything happens for a reason. Two months, three months ago, I was asked if I would run for state Senate against Senator Kaplan and said, yes, it's a chance to give back. So, you know, it's my, my slogan is people, not politics, because it's gotta be about the people. And I think a lot of politicians have forgotten the fact that we should be representing them. Not, you know, we're here for them, not the other way around.
0: I mean, that is huge. A lot of the people who we've talked to who are like outsiders coming in, like yourself, like Liz Joy, like like Beth Carlotto, have said the same thing. And I think that's the biggest message that the politicians have forgotten, that they work for us, that they are there to fix things for us. They are not there to make things better for the government. And uh, that is really something that has been lost in politics right now.
1: I I, I agree. And it's just, it's, it's listening to people. People have something to say. You know, if there's a problem, if you don't listen to them, you don't know what it is. You don't know how to fix it. So that's that. you have to just go into the towns and listen. And that's, what, that's, that's fi- what I plan on doing. I'm going to do a lot more town halls. I'm not going to go in and give the same speech to every town, you know, thank you, goodbye, and wave and run to the next town. I'll I have my Dave, Dave Franklin, here's what I believe in, and then sit down and, and listen the rest of the way. What do you think? What are you, you know, what are you looking for? Dave?
2: That's great. Yeah, no, I'm, I was just going to say that it's amazing how we're seeing an increase of political outsiders uh, really coming into the political arena and all of their intentions from, especially the ones that we've had on the show, have always seemed to just give back and that they're tired of how their state, their community, the direction, they're tired of the the downward slope that uh, it's headed in. And I say personally, for me, it's a breath of fresh air. And it should be for many people who are tired of the same old career politician uh, you know, handshaking, baby kissing uh, type of, you know, clean cut people, as they'd say. I mean, Dave, you even uh, said that you were uh, recommended to run for police commissioner. So that means that people trust you with their, you know, with their lives and that you can ensure that, the, you know, their safety. So, you know, I think that your history speaks for itself.
1: Thank you. As I, as I said, it's it's public service, plain and simple, you know. I hate politics. It's, it's public service. It doesn't get any simpler than
0: that. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that, the, you know, people have been sick of politicians for years. And then not, you know, tug on Trump's drunk too much, but Donald Trump came in out of nowhere as an outsider and said, hey, politicians are supposed to be working for the people. I'm going to work for the people. And I think that really did inspire a lot of people to be like, hey, instead of just complaining about politicians, let me run for office and try to get in there and do some good. And I think that's a big part of the Trump effect.
1: No, I agree. It was, it was, his his win was definitely a wake-up call. And the other nice thing is, he's done everything he said he was going to do. It's true. You know, mm-hmm. and that's, that's, that's also rare. How many politicians make promises, and then they get into office, you know, they'll tell you anything you want to hear to get your vote, and then they get into office and you never hear from them again until two or four years later when they're running.
0: Yeah, unless Joe Biden promised to sniff you know, people's hair, but and then he doesn't.
1: But other than that, let's
0: get into your platform, Dave. We had you on for a very specific reason. I am in full support of you, um, but I want to get your message out to the people. So as the former police commissioner, a big issue for you is definitely that horrible, horrible bail reform that literally everybody hates. You know, it, it is possibly one of the worst things ever put into place in New York. It, it's really bad. But so besides far. the fact that you're letting people just out of prison, the whole discovery issue with allowing people back to the scene of the crime, access to witness names and addresses and phone numbers, the whole thing is a complete disaster. Um, even Democrats have been talking about amending it. I am just saying they need to throw it out, Dave. What is your position on bail reform?
1: Well, uh, obviously, it's, it's an obscene law. I just, I don't know what they were thinking. I mean, you know, the, the powers that be, democrats tend to have an all or nothing attitude you know there was there was room in the middle i mean if if you had a problem with bail the judges need to have that flexibility to 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 mandate a, a bail or the fact that if it's a repeat offender and poses a threat to himself or to the public should stay in jail and not get you know don't just do an all or nothing and just some of the the, 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 the crimes are just obscene you know like using a child for a, a drug deal in school you don't need bail for that anymore you know, uh, using child for pornography, you know, uh, yeah, you're having a bad day. We'll let you walk, you know, come back in, in <laughs> four days or whatever, you know, possession of, of weapons, weapons used, you know, first, second and th- third degree arson. I have a, I have a list. I have got about four pages here. It just goes on and on. I mean, and in New York about,
0: City, they're allowing people out for assault. We had a woman assault three people in three days and kept getting out of jail.
1: The whole yeah. thing's ridiculous. Yeah, and, and and you know, that's it. If you have nothing to lose, I don't know if you remember a couple of months ago, the guy that was arrested for the 137th time as he was walking out of the precinct, yeah. thank the Democrats. See? Yeah, you know, yeah bail reform is with people.
0: people.
1: Yeah, and, you know, but again, city's another story. And I don't want to get started on that because you've got criminals walking around. You know, you let the criminals out. You know, if a mask is good enough for us, why can't you give the criminals a mask and keep them in jail? You have to let these guys out. And well, they don't want them to get sick.
0: This way they can get out and rape and murder and stab people. I mean, this is what's going on. We see stories every single day of a person released from prison stabbed grandmother, stabbed yeah. child. Like, this is ridiculous. Why are you caring so much about the criminal but not about the people in your community? That's exactly. the problem. These people live in the communities that are high crime areas. So what you're saying is You're so worried about looking like you're all for the people, right? The Democrats, you're all for the minorities, but you're putting dangerous criminals back on
1: their streets. They don't think anything through. No, not at all. I agree with that. And now that everybody's locked up and staying in their homes, uh, there's been an increase in car theft. You know, I I have one of the uh, home alarm systems, and every day I get five or six messages, you know, oh, my car was stolen, my car was stolen. (laughs) (laughs) Duh. It's just, as I said, it was, it was all or nothing. They tried to do a little bit of reform. They uh, added a few more crimes. or took a few more crimes away. I think they went from 20 to 30 days for the discovery. But they, they, they're rearranging the deck chairs on a Titanic. You know that, That's all it amounts to. Yeah. Well, they claim that bail didn't
0: work. But when you have a 4%, you know, people not showing up for court, that means 96% of people who are out on bail are showing up for court. I'm sorry. That's pretty damn good. If yeah. I have a 96% in any class, or I have a kid score 96% on a test, I'm <laughs> saying he did a good job. Bail was working. Now, excessive bail for like, you know, people who have parking tickets and stuff like that, that's a, you know, there are abuses in every system. But you don't just do a complete overhaul of the system. Give them a little bit of leeway. Take some, you know, misdemeanor offenses and you can eliminate for that. But these are literally
1: people being booked for assault, being let out of jail yeah, as I said, Jersey did it right. They left it up to the discretion of the judge. You know, who, who should be the one to, to decide? Not just some blanket policy. The judge can look at a record and make a deal with the prosecutor. This guy is going away. This guy, all right, you know, may have had some problems. We can give him a reduced bail. Because initially, one of the problems they thought was that um, it was prejudicial to minorities because they didn't have the same money to, to, to uh, pay the bail. You, know, you did a sliding scale. You know, pay what you can. Keep them in jail if necessary. Or if you're gonna put a young kid in there that's gonna end up in Rikers and they're gonna turn him into a career criminal, you know, it's again the, the whole penal system has to be looked at as well.
0: Agreed. Gave anything? I mean, the excuse
2: that we're doing this for minorities doesn't hold up because now you're just saying that what we're not doing able to hold our own or we're just you're expecting us to just go to jail or to commit a crime no they're saying yeah
0: you're saying that but they're saying minorities are just criminals that's what they're saying gabe you're 100 right yeah well i mean that's
2: what you know i was also taught in school that voter id laws should be uh shouldn't be a thing or you shouldn't have voter id voter ids because um apparently black americans or um hispanic americans that live in urban ghetto or public housing areas don't know how to get to their nearest dnb to get id or to you know register to vote or they or they don't understand that process so again you want to play this and i'm not you but democrats want to play this whole white man's burden we must teach the savages how to behave type of mentality and they're always fixated on race and they don't understand that you're ma- you're making excuses for bad behavior and, and you're rewarding it, and then you're surprised when it happens.
0: <laughs> when it's the, the racism of low
2: expectations, Gabe. Oh well, exactly. And I forget. Um, yeah, you know, No, it was the the J thirty uh, one event, a big whole protest about oh, yeah, yeah, over the over policing of the MTA police in the uh, in the subways. And I said, why are we allowing for this to happen? And then shortly afterwards a city councilman down in Brooklyn said, hey, you know what? I have a great idea. Why don't we just make the subways free? But you wanna know why? Because we're finding that on average, disproportionately um, 90% of the people that are caught by the MTA police are fair uh, evaders. Over half of them happen to be black American. So so that we don't get black Americans in trouble and have them get a record, we're gonna make it free. So, so again, you're rewarding bad behavior. The subway's Everything not happens. that
0: expensive. I don't get it. This it's like what two seventy five. Like I don't. It, the subway's not that expensive.
2: Well, for for the idea of the subway, it's not that expensive. But at the same time, when you're living in such a high co- high cost area, such as the city, expenses add up, and you know sometimes people don't you know have money for it and. You know, there there can be a whole different conversation about that, but if you want people to pay, don't tax them to death. Don't make don't make everything so expensive. Don't have the fifteen dollar minimum wage to, as an excuse to raise everything else. Because guess what? That two seventy five was about to become three dollars.
0: Yep, and you know we talked about taxing, and that's another one of your platforms, Dave. But fixing the economy and reducing taxes in Emperor Cuomo's tax hell of New York is going to be you know of no small task. You know, we have been six $6 billion in debt before the coronavirus, yep. and now we're being held hostage for a federal bailout, but the Fed is bleeding money, so there really isn't money for bailouts. They can only print so much money. You know, what is, do you have a plan to go in there and be like, hey, we need to fix this state, we need to get the, we need to raise funds to get out of debt so we can fund things like schools and police and fire, things that people need, but also not tax citizens to death, because New York State is
1: bleeding people. Well, indeed. Uh, the, the problem is, as you said, taxes. Nobody seems to be talking about cutting spending anymore. Everything is, oh, I got a great idea, you know, on on this program. Well, how do we get the money? Oh, raise taxes. You know, it, it's just, you know, it, it's reflex. Um, we got to create more jobs. I have a, a couple ideas. I know that Trump has spoken about um, how bad the supply chain has been with the PPE and with the uh, the pharmaceuticals and whatnot. Let's build some factories in New York, especially you look at the fact that we needed the supplies more than anyone. Let's make our own. Let's guarantee that we have what we need. Let's make ibuprofen that nobody makes anymore. Let's make the pharmaceuticals here. Let's make the equipment that we're going to need should this happen again. You know, and if you think it had if it happened now, in all likelihood, it'll happen again. The other thing I'd like to do, sports gambling. You know, we, we have the lotto, we have. Full casinos here, you know, it's, it's just the old machines. But Pennsylvania last year uh, raised $1.42 billion from sports gambling. New Jersey grows $400 million, and uh, I think it was $40 million in taxes alone. We have the infrastructure in place. We have the OTB here. It's just a question of adding a couple more tellers and a couple more booths. You know, if you uh, license out to uh, some of the sports bars, you know, you can make yourself a, a nice sports book that's got a restaurant, that's got a bar. All the leagues are behind this, all right? You've got the uh, the, the fantasy leagues that, that do this as well. I think it's a cash cow with a minimal expense. I
0: definitely like that idea. I also like the idea of opening up manufacturing in New York State. I mean, you have these towns upstate that are, that you know, some of them are being revitalized. But a lot of these dead towns could use an influx of jobs and stuff like that to bring money back into the town. You could revitalize all these places in the Catskills that are dying by putting in, you know, a manufacturing plant, put an ibuprofen plant up where, you know, the Raleigh used to be. If it's if the building's still even there, you know, you put something in there, you have an, you build some housing up there and you make a small town and you bring jobs into the area. You bring jobs into the state. I love that
1: idea. And sports exactly.
0: gambling. It's like a voluntary tax.
1: Yeah, and that's it. You you know you're not only you're generating revenue from the sale, but you're generating tax income, and you're you're employing people. You're cutting down on your unemployment rate. It's win win. Hmm. Gabe,
2: no, I I would just also have a question, just to see uh, what your stance on uh, on this would be. Uh, currently, Senator Jessica Ramos, State Senator Jessica Ramos is advocating for the legalization of prostitution in New York State. Now, if we look at uh, Nevada. They do get a significant amount of income, the state gets income for the taxes, because of it's just a very successful industry for them. Now, with that being said, being that, you know, there's, we're talking about job creation, would you also be in favor of that?
1: Oh, I'd have to give that some thought. I think there'd be a lot of mm-hmm. uh, health concerns that I would have. You'd, you'd have to go through a, a, a litmus test of uh, having the, the, uh, the men and women checked, you know, regularly for disease. Uh, I don't know what the cost of that would be. And I, it, it would be something to look at. I don't know from a, a morality standpoint. I don't know if I would be in favor of it, but I would, I would look at it. It's a, it's like marijuana. I don't think marijuana should be legalized recreationally mm-hmm. right now. There's not enough study done on it. There was a five-year study I saw from Colorado. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's the, the money's up. Obviously, it's a cash cow, but yeah. um, especially in New York, depending on how they would tax it, you, if you tax it too much, you're going to take the you, the black market is still going to be involved. You're not going to get right. rid of the black market. Same thing right. with prostitution. If you're taxing it and you tax it too much, you're still going to have uh, men and women on the street that are performing these acts that haven't been tested.
0: Right. You just and shut down Gabe's new
1: career path. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not, you know,
0: <laughs> you're funny. No, I mean, the, you, the, the reason, Gabe, you know what? What you do on the
1: side is up to you. But you know, <laughs>
0: thank you, thank you. No, but what I was gonna what I was
2: getting at was my <laughs> biggest. Counter to uh, the senators, the state senators' idea was the fact that what, you're, what we're finding is that New York State is probably one of the top states in the country that deals with human trafficking and forced sex work. So, whenever I hear that it's the "my body, my choice," it's just let women do what they want to do, which is her position. It's not an economic position that that she's taking. It's always been, she said to the New York Times, "It's been the oldest profession." We can't stop it. We should just make it legalized because it's affecting minority women So, and the Asian community. And I said, well, how about you clean up your district, your area? Because it's running rampant down there in, in, in uh, Jackson Heights or in Corona. So, well, Central Queens. So why don't you say that you're for women and actually help them that are being forced and, be, and are being raped every day? That's what a testimonial said that she was being raped every single day for the amount of time that she was trapped within this syndicate.
0: We've seen this with the Democrats all the time. Instead of fixing a problem. So in my area, drug dealing is a problem. Instead of let's fix the community, let's make drugs, you know, let's make drugs legal. Now it's not a crime anymore. Guess what? We just eliminated 50% of our crime, but you still have the behavior going on. So if you're having the human trafficking for prostitution and you legalize it, you're not solving the problem of human trafficking. You're just making the end, the end game legal. It doesn't solve the problem. Making it hard to convict when it's illegal. Right. This is the problem with the Democrat Party. They are not actually there to, well, the problem with government in general, but they are not there to solve any problems. They are there to make it look like they have done something for the community instead of actually getting in there and doing something. You have Nancy Pelosi in Congress for 30, was it 40 years now? And she's done, her district is one of the worst districts in the country. People are crapping in the streets over there. These politicians have forgotten what their duty is. And that is the biggest problem that we have right now. We need people who are going to go in and help communities as opposed to looking at making it seem like they've done something so they can get reelected. And again,
1: that goes, that goes back to what I was saying earlier about being detached from your community. Okay. You know, Nancy Pelosi wants everybody, inclusion everybody in, but she's in a gated community behind a lot, behind a wall, you know, and as you said, San Francisco is now one of the worst. It's 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 sad. Which was once was a great city is now tent city. It looks like you know the, the courtyard at Duke before a basketball game with all the tents set up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> There's a page you can follow on Instagram to see uh, what's happening in Pelosi's district uh, in San Francisco, and I saw this. I guess you can call him a journalist or whatever he goes and he takes a picture slash video of a man smoking crack out of another man's anus. And they're mentally unstable, mentally, but you got to give them more needles. You got to keep just helping the problem. And now with, like, what is it? What's that uh, title or chapter, chapter 13, title 13, something like that, where if you rob an establishment with uh, the value being less than $950, it's just a misdemeanor
0: right but yeah people are just running in and filling up garbage bags with merchandise mm-hmm. i mean it's they're looking to decriminalize that doesn't change the behavior it encourages the behavior if stealing a car is no longer a crime if it's a violation and i get a ticket and i could possibly steal someone's mercedes and resell it i might if i'm desperate i might take that risk because i'm not going to go to prison i might go to jail for a little while but the risk versus reward now becomes the reward is much higher than the risk the whole point of of having laws on the books it's to deter crime it's to punish people when they commit crimes but deter the person who's on the fence which is why right. we have these gun laws and people are like oh we need stricter gun laws no people who are following the gun laws are not committing crimes with guns it's the people who are already criminals the gun laws are already work the gun laws that are on the books are already working we use them to punish criminals but you can't stop right. criminals. You can deter people who are on the fence, but you are never going to stop that criminal element. So this whole issue with you know decriminalizing doesn't work. And they still haven't seen it because it's all about PR. It's all about how everything looks so they can get – it's it's the same thing over and over again. I feel like I say it every episode. They are masters in PR. They are masters at looking like they care in
1: order to keep their paycheck. Right. It's about to spin. And then they do their best punches pilot. Wash their hands of the situation. You know, if, if you decriminalize it, you don't have to deal with it anymore.
0: It's really bad. It, it's sad. It, it's sad. All right. But the big the big thing in the news now is this coronavirus lockdown. While some states are reopening, parts of New York are reopening. You know, Long Island is, ha- you know, we had this story of uh, Nassau beaches opening and restricting it to Nassau County residents. After Bill De Blasio said New York City beaches would be closed, I read somewhere today that he was planning on opening New York City beaches. I don't know if that's true. I just saw it in passing. But you know, the whole reopening of New York—if you are elected this year—it's going to be a long process. You know, how are we getting people back on their feet for the small business owner that has basically lost
1: almost everything during the shutdown? Well, fortunately, in in a lot of places, especially here in Port Washington, at least some of the restaurants people have looked out for their uh, their own community they're going to some of the, the restaurants that are now takeout only so they're surviving sadly the waiters and bartenders aren't really making the money they they did because they're if they're rotating the waiters are now delivering your food to your car but uh most people are being very generous and tipping them and they're being very generous as far as uh it, you know uh, frequenting these uh, these restaurants so um that being said it, it's time to open. You know, you look at the, re, the, the revolts, all the, all the uh, protests around the country. People are, are normally social, all right? You can't keep people locked up this long. Um, people have to work. I mean, it, there's, there's so much more than just the virus. There's the, uh, the psychological factor of people being cooped up so long. There's the social factor, the financial factor. There's just, you know, now Cuomo said uh, this afternoon or this morning, He's not going to open up the, the summer camps and there's not going to be any summer school. you know, you, you got to get these kids out and playing with other kids. It, it, there's going to be, especially the young kids that are in the what I call the wonder years, the formative years mm-hmm. of their personality. This is going to be far more detrimental than the virus would be.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I used to work at a summer camp for the YMCA and an after-school program headed by them. So we would take you know their kids... For well, parents' kids for the summer. For um, I think it was, I think it was a total of an eight-week program, uh, and you were able to send your kid for these two-week sessions, or however long or short you wanted them to be there. And we gave them the opportunity to learn how to swim. To actually, uh, if they were in my group, we went for uh, for runs on the track, or we played games in the park. We gave them actual exercise. We did STEM classes. I personally taught civics and uh, you know US history in my uh, with my group because I said you know it's important for you to guide, for you guys to know your rights and uh, you know separate fact from myth. And that connection that I had because I was working with a 12 to 14 year olds was great because you help them you would help them navigate and guide them it, you know through their adolescence, when their parents were, you know, busy working at that time. And you give them, you're giving them an out to release that energy to unleash their creativity, you know, with our uh, art programs. And now that that's not happening, you know, parents are complaining now that their kids are too much for them to handle. Now imagine the summertime when they literally have nothing else to do and you're expected to keep New York State in this state of emergency or however you, uh, way you want to label this lockdown for another two years. It's insane. How are we supposed to do anything? And now, uh, Evan, to what you said, Fiorho Wilhelm de Blasio is saying that he wants to slap you on the hand if you're going to go to the beach. And if you don't be good, we're going to close it. We're going to gate it off. And you're going to have to dock your eyes and just smile and say, please open it up
0: again. It's horrible. No, it's really ridiculous. And this whole people, the argument they use is that, you know, if you care about doctors and nurses, then you'll stay home what about the small business owner? What about people who are, have clinical depression who are now stuck in their homes and losing their jobs and are committing suicide? What about women who are stuck at home with abusive spouses and are being beaten? We've seen all these things rise. Domestic abuse is going up. Substance abuse is going up. By the governor's own admission, these things are going up. But you, you know, it's, if it saves one life, it's worth it. The same thing with banning guns, right? If it saves one life, it's worth it. But what about if it costs one life? If one person killed themselves because they lost everything in this quarantine, is that worth it now? They always want to play this game if it saves one life. That that argument doesn't hold up. This, this is, is the problem crazy. with the whole their whole mentality, their whole plan. It doesn't hold water.
1: It's literally it's paper tigers. That's all it is. This I
0: don't
2: is know the
1: if they're considering one life. Yeah, I don't know if they're considering acceptable losses, you know, as if we were triaging in in the in the field in the middle of a war. It, it, uh, I don't know. It's, I had an argument with someone about the uh, the vaccines and whatnot. And they would say, well, you know, science has uh, a certain number. We're expected to do, you know, save X amount of people. And some people are not going to be saved. And that's just the logic. It's just, you know, it's acceptable losses. It's collateral damage because it's whatever for the greater good. Yeah, but what are they going to
0: do, mandatory vaccines? I always told people, if you don't get sick, don't get vaccines. Yeah. I, know, I I had a teacher in my school he, it's, a, it's a horrible story. This guy was a professional bodybuilder. He was a New York City auxiliary police officer. He worked out with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like this guy was built. This guy was like yoked. Like, you know, the term yoked. This guy was yoked. And at, he was like 60. And this guy was still just like a beast. He got married to the science teacher, had never gotten the flu shot before. He decided, hey, I'm going to get the flu shot because now I have two young girls in my house. You know, I want to make sure that I'm protecting them gets the flu shot is sick for the next eight months and dies yep. because people die from the flu shot. If you don't get the flu, I never get the flu. The one year I got the flu shot. I got ridiculously sick. <laughs> I don't get the flu shot. You're going to tell me I'm going to need a vaccine for a disease that has the same death rate as the flu. It's not happening because I know that if I don't get the vaccine, my body is strong enough to fight it off. If you give me the vaccine, I might get ridiculously sick. I know people in medicine, My buddy who works in the ER literally told me every single vented patient that they had died. That was it. It was the wrong treatment. They shouldn't have done it. And it cost them so many lives because it was the wrong treatment. So now you're going to tell me to put my hand, my life in the hands of people making a vaccine for a disease that they still don't have a real treatment for or an approved treatment for. Or publicly approved treatment okay. for, even though we all know what's going behind, the, going on behind the scenes, it's ridiculous. And all these people are like, well, if it saves one life, don't you respect doctors and nurses? I do. You know what? Who else I respect? Police officers. You know what? You shouldn't be committing crimes. Don't go speeding. Do you do you respect other drivers on the road? Don't go through a red light. Don't roll through a stop sign. Do you respect kids? You might run over a kid if you roll through a stop sign. The argument doesn't work. It's this all or nothing garbage, and I can't I can't stand it. It's very frustrating.
1: I Agreed. Mean, as I said, all or nothing. You know, there's there is there's, a, there's a, an in between. There's a middle ground that can satisfy it, but it's nobody ever looks for it. Yeah,
0: I mean, you can stand in line at Walmart, but you can't stand in line to go vote in November, or you can't stand in line at your local business. It's ridiculous. I listen. I understand bars and restaurants and stuff where people are super close proximity. That's a completely different story. But you're telling me I can't go to a mom and pop shop to go pick out like clothes or furniture or something like that. They can't be open. It's ridiculous. If, if, you know, corporations can be open, like Target and Walmart, why can't my local gun store be open? If they're just as safe, they can be even cleaner than Walmart because they'll have someone dedicated to cleaning, and it's a smaller shop with less people going in. The whole thing, it's all nonsense.
1: Mm. Well, it's, it's funny you talk about, you know, well, going into stores and restaurants and whatnot. If you look at the bars, I think, in Wisconsin and, and places where they've relaxed the rules, it's like the end of Prohibition, and, and that's what it's going to be like here. You know, people can't wait. And not even for the the fact of drinking, whatever. It's the socializing that they've been lacking.
0: We're social animals. We need to be around other people. Exactly. But but then the media spins it. So they took Wisconsin, right? And two days after the bars open, they go, well, coronavirus spiked. Hey, geniuses, it takes two weeks to incubate. So that means that those people who got sick were sick two weeks before the bars opened. It wasn't because the bars were opening, but every single person who is on the left will go, look, they opened bars and more people got sick. It's all garbage.
1: Well, look what happened in Florida. You know, the the, the, the Governor DeSantis comes out and says, you know, you've been, you've been giving us the death sentence for eight weeks, you know, and everybody's fine. The, the, there was no spike. Everybody's back to normal in Florida now. And that, that you know, that, that that should be a, a good cause to, to open up faster. 100%.
0: Gabe?
1: this virus
2: that's right here in my house you can see it's right there <laughs> uh, sorry for those who only listen on the audio um i'm we're okay this household is just a, you, you'd get watch watch our videos but this virus um has actually i felt i feel not felt, i feel that this virus has actually caused us more damage than good to our psyche it has put people to succumb to despair. Uh, I recently walked outside without a mask. If you'd like, you can call the NYPD and you know, they'll straighten me out, I guess, open invitation. <laughs> but I walked outside without a mask and I did what I did. The first time that this, I saw the fear in people's eyes, I actually smiled to people, at people. I smiled at them and I said, you know, just like, how are you? Like that, that look of assertion, like it's gonna be okay. and from their mass you can see like a wow like i haven't had that sort of contact like just that small thing brought them back like yeah people exist and you know it's not that bad and for something that we have 99 over 99 percent chance of actually surviving to have just thrown everything away where we have now had people arrested for practicing their first amendment rights is insane and you're going to tell me that the piece of cloth that I'm putting around my face or that you're putting around your face that isn't a gas mask or an an N95 mask, that that's really going to be effective. But then again, if I'm inside and I haven't been going out, which I really haven't been uh, as much as I would like to, you're going to tell me that if I'm not sick, I still need to wear it because the other person who's wearing a mask is going to infect me even though they're not sick either. And I know you can't tell who's really sick and who's not, but I doubt that anybody who has symptoms of this, is really going out there in the first place. But what we're doing by keeping ourselves inside is weakening our immune systems when we could be building herd immunity, where we could be naturally fighting this off, just like Sweden's doing, and the rest of Europe is following suit. Oh, well, people are getting better. Why? Because they are developing the antibodies for themselves. They don't need to be peddled a, a vaccine. I can't speak for or against vaccines because, these guys make me get it every single year. <laughs> I have to get it no matter how much of an objector I am to it. So thank me for my service. Just kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Very, very quickly, you know, we've just had a two-month course in, in what to do and what not to do with this virus. You know, if you had the regular flu, are you going to get up and leave the house? You know, I'm going to stay home. I'm not going to get off the couch, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of going out and infecting everybody. But you got to use common sense at this point, and you got to hope that people have learned. If you, if you think you're susceptible, all right. If you have an existing condition, you should probably still stay home. If not, if you're feeling fine, if you're younger than than 60 or even 50, you should be out and working. Okay, There's, there are certain segments of the population that should be working. I don't see closing the schools. All right, if, if no kids are getting it, although they they're getting this uh, Kawasaki disease all of a sudden, you know, that that, that lasted for about a week or two, but yeah, yeah, yeah. there are certain segments of the population that should be out there still and should be working and should be interacting. And it's that herd immunity that, that you know they're talking about in Sweden and Turkey.
0: Yeah. Well, it's all
1: it's it's all about
0: fear and control, which is why right. the Kawasaki all of a sudden disappeared because as I said on a previous episode, I think it was two episodes ago, the medical community has no proof that it is linked to Corona. So what they were trying to do is link it to Corona. And that's why it was being peddled. And the yep. second that they couldn't do that, guess what? It disappeared. disappeared. It's, it's it's fear and control. And yep. the motto of the show is don't let fear take your freedom. And that's exactly what people are allowing them to do. They are allowing the government to tell them what they can do, what they where they can go, who they can talk to, what they can wear, how, what, stores, what stores they can go into out of fear. And when you operate out of fear, that's how you end up a totalitarian government in the long run. That's what happens. You give them too much power. Do they really think that they're going to give it back? Has no one read The Handmaid's Tale? Has no one read 1984? You know, the women's rights movement was all about The Handmaid's Tale when it came to the Alabama abortion bill. But there's a quote in that book said they suspended the Constitution. It was only supposed to be for a while, and we had an invisible enemy. You couldn't even see what it was. It's exactly what's going on right now. You're yeah. allowing people to take away your right to assemble. You're taking away your right to free speech. They're essentially taking away our right to bear arms by closing gun stores. This is exactly what they are doing. We have There has to be a fight back against this. And we need people like you, Dave, in government to get help, help us get our rights back, because that's what happens. When you elect people who are going to stand up for the people, that's how you get rights back. You don't get them back by just sitting down and wishing for the government to give them back to you. It's not going to happen.
1: No, they're, they're, they're your rights, and they're guaranteed by the Constitution. And, you know, first and foremost, or one of the things that's very important to me is personal freedom. You know, it's getting government off people's backs and, and letting them live. You know, we're, we're here to provide police. Health, you know, and infrastructure. Make sure the roads are paved. Make sure your houses are safe. You know, government gets too involved. I I don't think the government Mm -hmm. needs to have their hand in everything you do. And uh, other people think uh, differently. Road, trash, police, and fire. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, you had mentioned education. Uh, So, what would you like to see happen in uh, primary
1: education? Well, one of one of the things I think is important is uh, primary education. You know, kids are like sponges. We're in the young ages. They can learn so much. They, they uh, you know, as I said, you look at Europe, look at some of the countries where they have three and four languages. Their kids speak three or four languages. We have trouble with English. You know, if you, if you stop and think about it, you know, we're losing social skills as it is. People are texting. People don't know how to, to, to speak to each other. The other thing uh, with the social skills at that age, you maybe you can bring in counselors, bring in some psycho- psychologists. That can spot a loner, that can spot a bully, that can spot prejudice and nip it in the bud before it becomes a problem. Before We have the red flag law in, in the high schools now that if they see a kid that the teachers or students uh, perceive to be uh, trouble or, you know, are, are harmful to themselves or to society, they can say something. They go to the kid's house, take any guns or any weapons. I'd like to try to nip that while there's, these kids are still pink flags, all right, before the problem uh, turns into anything and then just teach the kids you know teach them at the young age that
0: that's that's definitely something that we've lost but also just getting these kids to think you know a lot of the problem with with education especially in new york city that i've seen is you're teaching kids like oh the appeal to people's emotions be about feelings you know it's all about social justice and all this crap your whole point of school is not to raise me it's to teach it's to prepare me for for the workforce so I go to high school, I go to school so I can learn things I need to graduate high school and either I'm going to go to vocational school, I'm going to try to start a business or I'm going to go to college or whatever it is. Where I'm going to go, the whole point of school is to create a competent human being for the workforce. It's the job of the parents to raise their children and that's what they've lost. That's why we have these issues where well, Bill de Blasio was stating that, you know, we have more kids graduating high school than ever before. But guess what? None of them are prepared for higher education. None of them are prepared for the workforce. And your whole goal was to get more minorities in college, right? But you're not preparing them for college because you're allowing them to slide by and you're not teaching them the things necessary to get their brains working. They learned their classes on social justice. And then U.S. history is like, uh,
1: you know, let's breeze through this. Well, they don't teach that now so they can rewrite it in the future. Okay. I understand that as well. They don't teach civics anymore. This way it can be rewritten. But I agree with you. You know, they talk about free college. First of all, it's not free. Somebody's got to pay for it. Right. Um, what well, you, you made a great point about vocational schools. College is not for everybody. Okay. You have jobs like plumbing, carpentry, electrician, okay, mechanic. These are jobs that can't be automated or outsourced. OK, you're making a a ton of money, too. You're making a ton of money. Exactly, exactly. It's like the old joke, you know, what does a plumber get uh, for a house call on Thanksgiving? Anything he wants, right? (laughs) 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 But these are the jobs of the future. You're going to need skilled labor. You know, we need to to establish and put more money into vocational schools. And the problem you have with college these days, college will take anybody's money. And the, the other problem I see is they don't teach you how to think. They teach you what to think. College is supposed to teach you how to think and think out loud, and and there should be room for debate there. Now it's oh, you don't think of the way I think. You know, I, I I need a coloring book. I need a private room. You know, it's it's sad, and that doesn't prepare kids for the, the real world. Yeah, Gabe knows all about college
0: professors not being open to new things, right, Gabe? I think yes. so, <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Sorry.
2: Yes, so Jeffrey Lacks. No, I don't even know if we have enough time for that.
0: Oh, we got um, time. We, we'll, we'll, we'll run through this a little bit to give Dave a little bit of background. Let's get his feedback on it, and then yeah. we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up.
2: All right. So, Mr. Franklin, uh, <laughs> what happened recently was uh, when it comes to the wonderful groupthink at Columbia University, uh, at least in the political science department, uh, it appears that there's only one side of history being taught, and that is the social justice, the democratic, bleeding-heart liberal way uh, being taught. And this was exposed when I got into a bit of a Facebook argument uh, with a Columbia University professor. I met a Columbia University student,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, but got into an argument, and he told me to drop dead, you, uh, you neo-Nazi enabler. And he asked he posed the question, how evil, stupid, and racist do you have to be uh, to support the president? And this was all because I made a sarcastic remark as to somebody else's negative opinion of how the president was handling the COVID-19 situation uh, back in April. And of course, I was there to defend him. Mm-hmm. But then out of nowhere, this professor just comes out and starts lambasting and you know wishing death. So yeah. civil discussion is dead, it seems almost. And we that's not even welcomed or taught, it seems, on college campuses.
1: I, I posted something on Facebook, uh, which, which is just, I've, I've learned to just sit back and, and enjoy the show you know I, I, <laughs> and anytime i post i get myself in trouble but we were talking about the COVID and and you know and whatnot this this, this person was came out to attack me the, right away so um i was making my point and it was counterpoint and then finally it was like well you know this is the way my science looks at things and if you don't like it you know move to another country yeah. I mean,
0: but it, we're kind of moving towards what I like to think of as kind of a Star Wars mentality, where we have the left as the Sith, where it's if you don't agree with me, then you're my enemy and you're an evil racist and you need to die. And then we have the people who are just like, can't we just live our own lives without yeah. you people telling us to kill
1: ourselves? Yeah. yeah well, I'm, I'm going die, to die eventually. Don't push it. You know?
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's sad that you're no longer allowed to just speak with, to somebody. I had gotten a whole bunch of fan mail uh, over the story breaking and I posted it up and someone said, well, how come you don't comment on the people or respond to the people who are actually nice to you? Uh, and then somebody else responded like, oh, he just wants to spread the narrative. And I said, sorry, I didn't see this earlier. I've been, I happen to have been getting a lot of notifications from the story going up at the time. And I said, it's not that I don't want to address it. And I actually thanked them. And I appreciated them for actually saying, hey, you know, we are we think differently from you, but we're still civil. We're still civil in all of this. And I said, thank you, because you were the only two people who actually reached out to me to discuss this or to see what was the big deal about that didn't say something horrible or didn't call me names. Or didn't. And this isn't because I'm sensitive. It doesn't faze me. But I, all I was doing was highlighting the fact that why was there so much outrage and hate? And I said to those uh, to the people that were um, that were inquiring, I said, "Listen, I have not called for anyone to go message Colombia, harass the professor, or anything like that. I, if you do that, that's on your own admission. But I never asked for it, and no one can even say that I did or even wanted that to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it, if someone did that, that was on their own time. And I said, thank you for at least showing me or giving some more hope that you know, I already knew that not everyone was like that, but you at least." Put it there in that comment section and showed to many people that were active on that post at the time that there are people that will listen. And that's some of the stuff that we need to highlight.
0: I think a big issue that we've had is that we've had all these years of, oh, don't talk politics. You know, it's just going to start an argument. As opposed to, hey, I have a differing opinion. We can talk about it. You can believe what you want to believe. I'll tell you my position. And you don't have to agree with me. We've come into a society where you have to only listen to people that confirm your opinion. If you're right-leaning, you're only going to watch Fox News. And if you're left-leaning, you only watch CNN. I don't watch either of them because they're both full of crap, but that's not the point. The point is everyone's looking for confirmation bias instead of just opening their mind to other things. The reason why I landed on the path that I landed on was because I think for myself, I was open to new ideas. Before you know, when I was younger, I thought the government was great. I thought they did a whole bunch of great stuff. You know, it was awesome. You know, I was a proud American. You know, I was. Did I didn't know any better. The more research I did, the more I realized that if you give the government too much power, they will abuse it because the government is made up of regular people. They don't know better than us. They are elected by us to serve us, and half the country has forgotten that, and that's a big problem.
1: Well, back in you know, I, I've one or two years on you guys. You know, the, the, it was always. Question authority. You you know it was it was your duty to question authority. Now it's a, you know they're, they're it's it's an elitist society. You know it's 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 the politicians are up here, we're somewhere you know down here, in the muck and mire. What was it?
0: The the Michigan governor said that um, retaliating against totalitarian government or rebelling against totalitarian government is not the American way. That's the definition <laughs> of the American way. How we started
1: the country. <laughs> that's that's a mic drop moment right there. Yeah.
0: God, oh, really. But guys, you don't
1: want to say anything else. You don't want them to say anything else. That's what
0: <laughs> No. Definitely not. But guys, that's going to be our show for today. I'd like to thank you again, Dave, for coming on. If you could just tell the folks at home where they can find you online should they choose to get more information about your campaign or donate to you.
1: Sure. My website is franklinforsenate.com. Franklin F R A N K L I N, the word for F O R, uh, and Senate, uh, Senate.com. On Facebook, I'm Dave Franklin for State Senate, um, and uh, that's about it, uh, guys. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate this. I enjoyed this.
0: I really appreciate having you on. We yeah. love to highlight people who are going, who we think are going to make a real difference in the state. Um, that's a big part of why we started this was to make change in New York. Yeah. So well, you good. know, we see the path that it's down, and it's it's unacceptable. And the only way to make change is to stand up and do something.
1: I will do my best. And as I said, it's about the people. It's it's people, not politics. And that's that's my, my credo.
0: I like yeah. that. Gabe, why don't you tell the folks at home where they can find you online? I know there's so many places, since you're blowing up super famous right now, Gabe Montalvo with a <laughs> fresh shave. But tell the people where they can find you. Thank you.
2: So you can follow me on Instagram at baron.montalvo, dot Montalvo, And on Twitter, Baron underscore Montalvo. And I will always say this, it's here to take off Evan Ross.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so
2: you can also follow me on Facebook at Gabriel E. Montalvo. And if you want to support the Hispanic conservative movement, be sure to follow the RNHA New York chapter on Facebook. With that being said, use code GAVE10. Use code Gabe10 because they're not telling you that you can save money using my name and it's number 10 on it, on their sh- on their uh, store to get their shirts. And believe me, some of it is very thickly, patriotically very
0: thickly. That's, I said that wrong uh, on purpose. <laughs> and make sure the guys that you check out Gabe's Well, first article on Empire State Conservative Network.com. Hopefully soon it will be accompanied by some other amazing writing. Gabe is very talented, which is why we brought him on board. But make sure you check that stuff out. And make sure you follow us on Instagram at GetRedPilledNY. Make sure you follow us on Facebook at Empire State Conservatives. On Twitter sometimes at Empire State Cons. And please, please check out our store, Empire State Network.com slash store. Just a reminder, all the money that we get from there goes back into the network so that we can spread our message, so we can bring people like Dave on, so we can bring you know money towards campaigns for real conservatives so that we can help fix New York. That is the message, that is the mission. So for that, I'm Evan. That's Gabe. Dave, thanks again for coming on. Thank you. Make sure you wash your hands and don't let fear take your freedom. <laughs>